Hello, friends. This is Derek Kistner, founder and executive director of the Greater Peoria House of Prayer. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Whether you're hearing from me, my wife Mandy, or a trusted leader, it's my hope that it would serve you well in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you're listening at home here in central Illinois, maybe in your vehicle, or even somewhere on the other side of the world. However you're tuning in or wherever you are, it's my prayer that what you hear helps you to love God, His Word, His Spirit, His Church, and the people you interact with each and every day. Thanks again for listening, and may the grace of God fill your heart as you listen to the following message. Lord, we just thank you once again for tonight and for those who were able to gather here on a a cold winter night. Lord, I thank you uh, for my brothers and sisters who are here tonight, Lord, and I thank you for those who have tuned in through Facebook to live stream. And, And Holy Spirit, we look to you. You are the helper. You are the one who leads us and guides us into all truth. Jesus, you said it's better that I go. I will send you a helper who will lead you and, and guide you into all truth. And so, Holy Spirit, help us. Help our hearts and our minds discern the truth tonight, Lord. Uh, help me to communicate and help us all to hear what you would say to us tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Okay, it's going to make me do my work tonight. So we're going to start in John 6, 68, and I'm titling this message tonight, The Speech of Christ. You have the words of eternal life. The Speech of Christ, you have the words of eternal life. And I'm, I'm sort of launching into a mini-series, and we're going to examine different attributes of Jesus that I think set him apart, excuse me, we tend to think of Jesus in terms of what he has done for us, and these are all valid and we need to think about this. We we tend to think about, well, he, he died for me. And he delivered me or he healed me and he's gonna return for me. And we tend to think about Jesus in terms of what he's done. And that is valid. That is important. That's critical. That's fundamental to the Christian faith. However, there's more than just what he's done for me and you. There's who he is. And so he can kind of come across, if we just view him through a doctrinal lens or we view him kind of in a generalized way, yeah, he's the one who died for our sins. And if we put our faith and trust in him, we go to heaven. And we we tend to view him in that light. But he is also, I mean, he's much more than just what he does. He is who he is. He he is a person. He's real. And so he has thoughts. He has emotions. He has feelings. He has plans. There's so much to the Jesus we read about in the Bible. And the whole Bible reveals him, by the way. So not just the New Testament. In fact, when the two on the road to Emmaus, you remember that story, it said when Jesus opened the scriptures, he went through the whole scriptures preaching himself. And so we can find him in the Old Testament. We, of course, find him in the New Testament. But there's so much to him, and he's so fascinating. And so we don't want to just view him in this general, like, oh, he's the one who does this thing so I can go to heaven. That's good. That's kind of the entrance in, but eventually we want to get to that place where we develop a a closer relationship and even a friendship 
by drilling down into, okay, who are you specifically? What are you really like as a person? Because when we get to heaven, we're not just going to, you know, get to heaven and the, the doors open and then there's a giant Bible just floating there or a set of doctrinal papers. It's going to be a real man in heaven that we interact with. And sometimes Christians don't think that far. They, they're kind of glad to be saved, but I haven't really thought about what, what's it? Is there going to be like a floating Bible or some ball of energy or what is it? And the truth is, this same person in this book will be there. Flesh and blood will be there and he will talk to us and we'll talk to him and that will be, I mean, there'll be much more to that, but that, that's just, you know, begin to wrap your mind around that. This isn't, you know, a fairy tale. This isn't some kind of thing we tell ourselves because we want to make sense of the world. This is real. This, this is a real person. In fact, when Jesus ascended into heaven, the angels came and they said, this same Jesus, just like this, is going to come back in the same manner. Just like he shot up into the sky, he's going to come out of the sky back one day and it will be a real person. And I have a feeling he's going to tell a lot of people, touch me, I'm real. Like Just like he said to Thomas, Thomas is like, I will not believe it until I see it and I touch him and we you know i see those things on his hands and so jesus says touch me i'm real and that's going to be many of us and so just begin to wrap your mind around that but back to my my real point is this jesus we love and we serve and we talk about at church and hopefully the rest of the week he's a real man and he thinks things and he feels things and he, he is god and, and, and so we, you know, we sometimes think, well, if you're God and you know everything, why would you feel stuff and would you care and, you know, what? But he, he's real. He's a person. He's the creator. I mean, he's a very powerful person. I mean, we can't even touch how powerful he is. We should never minimize his personhood, who he is as a person is what I'm trying to say. He's not just someone who does things. In fact, the older you get, you're, you understand your parents more, especially as you become a parent. When you're a kid, your parents just kind of, you think they just do stuff for you. Yeah, my dad, you know, goes to work and makes money so we can eat food, and mom drives me all over to soccer practice, and, and that's kind of as a kid that your parents do things for you, but as you get older, you, it dawns on you one day. Oh. They're real people like me. And they have feelings and they get hurt and they get happy and they have good days and bad days. Oh, I didn't really know that. And, yeah, wow. And so that same thought needs to occur to us about God. Again, he's perfect. He has perfect emotions, perfect thoughts, knows everything. He knows where everything's going. But we can know him in that way. So that's my introduction. I have a lot more there on the notes. You can read that in your, your own time. But let's get real quick to John six sixty eight. Let me set the stage really quick. John 6 is where a lot of disciples begin to leave Jesus. Okay, it came to a point in the ministry, Jesus, he brings up this subject of, um, he says, if you don't eat my body and drink my blood, you have no part of me. People began to go, I don't know about that one. And it says there in John 6, right before uh, these verses were going over, it says, many left him. 
And I'm sure there was many different reasons, but one of them was they did not connect to that message at all. It sounded weird, and so they are out of town. We know what Jesus meant, but a lot of people didn't. And sometimes part of being faithful to Jesus is you have to plow through seasons of misunderstanding. You don't know what God's doing. You don't know what he's talking about, but I'm sticking with him because he's God. And these disciples did not get that memo. So the first message that they heard that they didn't like, we're out of here. And there's a lot of Christians like that today. But I tell you, you'll never touch the gold. You'll never touch the deep stuff if you're wavering at that level. You want to be committed no matter what comes your way. Because Jesus, the truth sets us free. This truth was going to ultimately help the disciples. He's saying, you have to take my body. You have to, t- you have to take all of me. If you want to be my follower, you have to be completely committed. And I'm going to go to the cross and my body is going to be broken and my blood is going to be shed. And you have to accept me at that level. Because the, the, the ultimate issue is a lot of the disciples were thinking he was going to be a political Messiah immediately and redeem Israel immediately. And so they were kind of in for him to take over the, the, the area right there. And he, he's going to take over the world one day, but it, it wasn't like many of them were thinking. And so his, his first level of expressing his kingly nature was dying on the cross, which almost no one really got. That was step one of showing, I am him who is prophesied. I'm the suffering servant of Isaiah. I, I mean, I'm so much more that the Bible is revealed, but it, it, it went through the cross first. And so John 6 is an interesting passage. And we get to verse 68, Jesus clearly says, I'm in Luke for some reason, let's go over to John, John 6. I know it's on the left side of my page. Jesus says to the 12, this is actually verse 67, do you also want to go away? Says it bluntly, do you guys want to leave too? Here's your out if you want to go back to business as usual. Because where I'm going, it will never be the same. If you guys want to cross the threshold with me right now, I'm going to flip your world upside down for the better. In the matrix, what's the pill? He gives them two, two options. He says, the, the, one, yeah, the one you'll wake up and think it's a dream. The other one, you'll go all the way. So he offers them kind of the two different pills. You know, I... He, bad analogy probably <clears throat> and uh and so the 12 are kind of mulling it over I don't know. everybody's leaving what do we do peter says the all-time statement this is like top three all-time statements he he says jesus where else can we go you have the words of eternal life I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about this statement for a minute. This is so incredible. <clears throat> Jesus, where can we go? You're the only guy we've ever met that when you talk, it's like eternity speaking. There's nobody else in, the, in this whole world that talks like you talk. When you talk, it literally feels like you've lived for eternity and you know what you're talking about. Who else can do what you do? And so Peter was like, 
he had his weaknesses, he had his flaws, and he had his foibles, but he knew something about this man. He'd seen enough to know he's not like the Pharisees, he's not like any other religious leader, he's not like anybody in history. This man speaks, and it's like eternity is echoing through his mouth. There is some serious wisdom coming from this man. Not only is there wisdom, but there's, there's continuity. He lives it. How, how many know it's disappointing when you're kind of starting to track with the latest Christian guru and then you find out they're a total fake? Or they're just a, another fraud that's living a double life and you're like, oh man, I wasted years listening to that guy. I thought they knew what they are talking about. They're not even living it. How many know when they were sitting around with Jesus, not only the sheer incredible wisdom coming from his mouth, but the witness, I'm really living this. What I'm telling you is real. I'm doing it. There was no other man that lived it at the level Jesus lived it. So when he said, blessed are those who mourn, they, will, they shall be filled or whatever. I don't even know the verse right now. You can be sure he was living that. Or blessed are the peacemakers. They shall inherit the earth or kingdom, depending on your translation. You can be sure he was living that. It wasn't like, hey, I ripped that off YouTube. That'll preach good. I'm going to throw that out. We'll call it the Sermon on the Mount. This man, the Prince of Peace, was living peacemaker. There was no one who knew how to mourn more deeply than Jesus Christ. I mean, everything he said came from a place of reality. He's really living this stuff. And so what I want to begin to give us a vision for tonight is, is the, the beauty of this man and the glory of this man is such that there's nobody else in history, or there will never be anybody in the future that can touch the words of this man. And you want to stick with him. I don't care how hard life gets, you want to stick with this guy <laughs> because he has the words of eternal life. There's no other guru, there's no other expert, there's nobody on Twitter, there's nobody on social media that can touch this guy, not even in the same league. You want to stick with Jesus. It may seem like people are starting to move away from Christ, starting to leave church, starting to leave prayer meetings. I don't know. It's just kind of weird now. It's different. I don't know what I believe. You want to stick with him. I assure you. Because where else can you go? Anywhere else you go, you come way down the list on, on the authority that he has. I mean, what are you going to follow? You, let's say you give up on Jesus and so you go for some other guy. He is so far down the pecking order. Once you, once you come away from Jesus to go to whatever else, you've, you've, you've come so far. To, Jesus is in another category. He says things. I mean, just a simple whisper from Scripture can change your day. Just someone praying for you can, can change your whole trajectory in your life. I mean, there's so many ways that God can get to us. But his words are unique. Let me just read a few other scriptures I have written down just to give you a sense. I mean, there's so many scriptures like these. Listen, to this is in Luke. 
Luke uh, chapter two. Luke chapter two. Remember when Jesus was 12 years old? We don't know much about his childhood. We don't even know much about his young adult years, but there's this one scene. You know, they all went three days journey. They forgot their son. <laughs> you know, we've, we've lost our kids a few times, but not for three days, praise God. But Mary and Joseph, think of that one. They're worrying about DCFS calling them. They're, they're all kinds of, you know, worried. They get back to the temple and Jesus is, is sitting there and this is what it says. He was, uh, they found him sitting in the midst of teachers, listening, asking questions. This is what it says in verse seven, verse, verse uh, 47. All who heard him, not some, not a few, everyone that heard him, this was their reaction, astonished at his understanding and answers. All who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. 12 years old. My son is 12 years old back there. I mean, I just imagine all the top teachers and leaders that happened to be in the temple that day. Here's the boy Jesus, and he's asking things, and he's saying things, and they're astonished. And he's 12. Okay, now fast forward to when he's like 30, and he has like a million times more wisdom. Then you begin to understand why in Mark 10, 24, it says his disciples were astonished at his words. He was saying things that were weighty and that hit different because he was God. I mean, think of it. What if Jesus was here tonight and he was preaching? You'd just be like, uh. I mean... I love listening to good preaching, and I love it when they're saying the things that they're living, and I know there's a, there's a witness on that, but can you imagine, I mean, imagine Paul preaching. Imagine John the Apostle coming for a Central Illinois Prayer Summit right here. John the Apostle just lays it out there. First, second, and third John, just three-day series on them. I mean, that'd be amazing. It'd be amazing to hear Paul just go off on Romans or Peter give a couple uh, commentaries on his letters, but then there's just a whole other order. Can you imagine Jesus just being here? What does it sound like and look like? And We know from Scripture when he talked, it was never neutral. People who were hardened against God, they were, they were enraged by what he said, and those who were open to him, they were astonished. No one's ever... The most spiritual guy I know in the temple cannot touch what Jesus is saying. We're astonished. You, you, you don't want to go far from a man who has this kind of authority and has this kind of words. Imagine the disciples. They had a front row seat to the most revelatory man to ever walk the planet. Again, this isn't just a Twitter guru. And I follow all kinds of smart people on various social mediums. I love good quotes. I think you call that a quotophile. <laughs> I'm kind of like, I love information. I love learning neat aspects. Of, you know, oh, that's a neat take. But this, imagine God in the flesh. Imagine the things we're going to learn that weren't written in Scripture that he said like off the cuff that wasn't written in Scripture. I think it was John that said toward the end of his gospel, I'm going to just 
go right there so I don't totally butcher it. What does John say toward the end? If if, uh, everything that was written... that he, uh, if everything he ever did was written, there wouldn't be enough room in the whole world. So we're going to learn some things that weren't written down, but he said, and he did. Let's, go, let's, let's use our creativity for one sec tonight. Imagine yourself around a campfire. Any campers in here? Okay, we've got a couple campers. I'm not the biggest camper, but we do. When it's nice out, we put the tent in the backyard and sleep out there. We're getting there. Imagine yourself, got a nice fire going. Maybe it's a cool night. You, you're sitting there, you know, you just got done with dinner. And then Jesus walks up. Jesus of Nazareth, son of the living God, just plops down there. Got his white garments on like the Bible says, you know. He's, he just begins to talk to you. This may happen a billion times in eternity. I don't even know. This is going to be cool. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever thought about just having a conversation, you and Jesus? Oh, it's technically it's called prayer, but let's just put it in kind of more of a, a fun, creative, imaginative way. What does, what's, that, what's that like for you? Is that fearful? Is that cool? But it, I mean, just imagine... Dark night, fire blazing, throwing some wood on there. Jesus just sitting there looking you dead in the eye. What? What does he? What does he say? What's he say to you? What's it feel like to you? I want. I want you to just imagine things like this, because this is where it's going. I mean, this is a real man. We're going to be in heaven forever with a real man, and the good news. is not only does he have the words of eternal life, not only does he have just the most profound things to say, he likes you. He is favorable toward you. His disposition toward you is kindness. In other words, everything that the Bible describes as love, that's what he feels towards you. So in that conversation that you guys have, I don't know, what's he, what, you just got to kind of have that conversation with him. And then just realize, whatever you imagine in that situation, he's better than that. <laughs> he's exceedingly and abundantly better than what we're thinking. And he loves you more than you're thinking. He likes you more than you're thinking. He wants to speak to you more than you think he wants to speak to you. He is just a very, very amazing person. I want to uh, read quickly a psalm. This is the psalm that David wrote in Psalm 138. This, this hooked me a couple weeks ago. David is describing the power of God's words, but this is obviously Old Testament. In Psalm 138, David begins to just kind of go off on, man, the, God's words are so amazing. 
You know, he starts off, I will praise you with my whole heart before the gods or the Elohim or the mighty ones. I will sing praises to you. I will worship towards your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. You have magnified your word above all your name. In the day when I cried out, you made me bold. And he's going on and on saying all these amazing things. Then verse four, all the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth. All the kings of the earth, I don't have time to unpack what this all means, but I'm going to do, do a little bit. All the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth. David, here's what happened to David. David loves God. He loves the word of God. God speaks to him. In, in a number of different ways, through a prophet, subjectively, many ways. And David so loves God speaking to him that he's writing down, if all the kings of the earth were to have the experience that I have, I know that every single one of them would worship and praise you. If they would hear the words of your mouth, they would worship. They would do what I'm doing because David was committed to raising up worship in his tabernacle. So he had thousands of people doing worship day and night and he's convinced and I believe this is speaking of a future day I don't know exactly what it's going to look like when there will be this will be a reality where kings are hearing from God and they are worshiping and they're mobilizing worship and so I just I think it's worth pointing out that David was going man if if your words were to touch the kings and the prime ministers and the presidents and the political leaders, it would have an effect on them like it has an effect on me because Jesus has the words of eternal life. I got a whole lot on my notes, but let me just say this. Who are you going to listen to throughout your life? Who are you going to, what words are you going to let shape you more than any other words? Is it going to be the one guy who has the words of eternal life, who is astonishing people at 12 years old, who is astonishing people when he was 30 years old, who is the fulfillment of what David David's speaking and other prophets are speaking throughout the Bible? Are you going to... Focus primarily and let his words shape your life direction and give you a sense of identity. Or are you going to come way down the list and let people on social media or people who have a bad take on the media, are you going to let their words shape you? Because here's the thing. There is a huge competition for your attention and there's a huge competition and, and no one's calling it a competition, but it's real. There are so many messages out there. There are so many pundits, so many gurus, so many people th saying things. And it's trying to take your attention. And it's trying to instill in you a sense of, these are the words that are important. You need to listen to these ones. Are you going to settle for that? Are you going to stay focused on the one who has the words of eternal life? Give yourself to those words. 
Give yourself to those. Be aware of the conversations happening, but be aware how far down you have to come to pay attention to all these other narratives. Okay? There are so many people out there screaming and, and say, this is the biggest deal. And, no, oh, this is the biggest deal. We need this over. And there's just constantly this noise. I, wanna, I want you to get to a place like Peter where you can say, I, I don't want to go anywhere else, man. This man's words are of superior quality. Let me say this another way. When God speaks, or and, and I have it on my notes, I, I encourage you to go look through it because I'm not going to touch it all tonight. The three primary words I'm concerned about where God's going to speak to you, A, the Bible. Okay, that's number one. Let God speak to you. Let his words speak to you from the Bible, number one. There's also the subjective, you know, you could be driving down the road and see a billboard and God could speak to you through that, but it's always going to line up with the Bible. So you take both of those and then, and then your words are also very important and they all are interrelated. And so just wanted to say that. But when God speaks, it's like pure gold. There is zero impurity in the mouth of God. When God speaks, it is like a completely pure diamond or gem or jewel. There is no flaw in it at all. Now, when you turn on the news, there might be some silver, bronze, some good wood, you know, some neat, some kind of okay jewels. But, but guys, this is gold. The words of God are like pure gold. They are, they are like flawless gems. Always know that. So we want to learn, you know, we want to hear from people. We want to be teachable. We want to listen to the right people, you know, and, and all of that. Let these words shape you the most. Stick with Jesus. He has, he has words that are just so beyond and, you know, we go for a few days sometimes, oh, I just wasn't really connected to the word and I was kind of paying attention to everything else. It's okay. Just reel yourself back in. Like I've done the last couple of days, kind of didn't really feel, you know, like extra anointed and, you know, right, I'm going to read the Bible today, but I just forced myself to. And man, there's usually a point where you're like, wow, I'm really glad I did that because God really did speak to my heart. I mean, I was reading the Psalms the last couple of days. Like, how do you... How do you know my exact situation? How did you write that thousands of years before and it's me again? How do you do that every time? I have the words of eternal life. I know what I'm doing. I'm God. Let me urge you guys. And I, you know, we're all brothers and sisters in here. I don't have to urge you too much. Amen. Where else are you going to go? He's got the words of eternal life. He's got the words that will astonish. Let me just touch briefly the content of what God says. It's always true. It's always transcendent. It's always trustworthy. The spirit of his words are always loving and redemptive. God's never in a bad spirit. God, by nature, is a holy spirit. He's always holy. He's always good. So he's never going to be 
like, I'm grumpy today, so I'm going to scold you, never does that. When God communicates, it's so far beyond what we're thinking. I mean, it's just, it's, how do you put it into words? He is love incarnate communicating to you in the most loving way possible. Always 100%. Never unloving. There's always someone, what about the tables he flipped? And then he rebuked it. That was the most loving. First of all, we don't even know how loving he did it. Sometimes we assume it was unloving. He probably said it with such patience. There was a few times where he demonstrated his zeal, and that was loving. But he only did that twice in his whole ministry. I want to assure you, if you were sitting down around a campfire with Jesus, he would speak with such a friendliness and such an such a kind spirit toward you because he loves you so dearly. I mean, he went to the cross for you and me. I mean, you don't do that because you're annoyed. You do that because you love people. There is such goodness in him. When you think about that conversation or you think about the chats you're going to have throughout eternity, just know they're going to be really good. And he really is for you. When he speaks to you, even if it's like a, Like, there's certainly times where I've felt corrected or reproved by God that made me feel like He's for me and He wants me to be the best Christian, like the most faithful disciple He's called me to be. I've had people yell at me, but God's never yelled at me. I've had people be mean to me. God's never been mean to me. But He's a father, so He, in love, He'll... you don't want to do that. That's like the pig pen. You want to come over here to the, you know, be faithful over here. I mean, he's made it clear. Don't do that. And we need that. That's what a good father does. Nobody would be called a good father who just lets their kid run in front of a semi. A good father, stop, oh, you're going to get hurt, you know. And so, but God's never in a, in a, in a like berating, yelling kind of deal. And unfortunately, there are some leaders out there who kind of model that, that that's like what they think God's like. He's not like that. There's no, more, no one more kind than God. Nobody. The kindest person ever to live, the most humble person, they will get up into the light of the glory of God that first day, and, and they'll just be so humbled at the graciousness, the mercy, the loving kindness. It will, it will be overwhelming. Mother Teresa has nothing on God. I mean, I love Mother Teresa. I mean, she was quite a woman. She'll get before Jesus and just be stunned. And she knows that. I mean, she knows it now for sure. She's with him. But I mean, imagine the holiest, the most humble, the most loving, the most kind to go down the line, not, not even close to Jesus. I'm going to bring this to a close here. Oh, <laughs> I just started getting good for Curtis. Okay. There's the content, true, transcendent, trustworthy, the spirit of its loving, and the power of his words are worship-inducing. You remember what it says in Psalm 138.8. You have, I'm sorry, verse 4, the kings of the earth shall praise you, O Lord, when they hear the words of your mouth. When God speaks, it motivates praise. It motivates worship. You know, I believe there's coming a day where praise and worship and prayer are going to go on 24-7 and Cities all over the world, and it'll be normal. It'll be normal in the church. 
How are we going to get there? We're going to hear God more and more. His words are going to get in us. They're going to enter us. David said it like this. The entrance of your words brings light. When the words of God get in us, they do something. They, they put light in us. They change us and they, they do something. And it just motivates a different life. And I'm telling you, the, the times God has com- clearly spoken to me just left me in awe. I'm like, how to, what? I'll give you one example. This is just one I have on my notes. This is just kind of for fun, and then I'll close after this. This is when I'm, I'm literally like 20 years old. This is, you're going to laugh at this story, and I share silly stories like this just to be funny. I was going to Bradley. This is like 100 years ago. Uh, I, I think I was 19 or 20, 20 or 21 years old. No, no, no. Maybe a little. Maybe 22, 23. I'm in the bathroom using the bathroom. I'll just keep it, you know, PG here. Using the restroom, and literally, I'm worrying, and I'm going, God. For some reason, I'm having this heavy moment, and I'm going, God, what do I do with my life? I, I don't know if I'm supposed to be a worship leader. I don't know if I'm supposed to preach. I don't know what to do. I got to focus on something. And, and, I, 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 and, I, and I literally was having this moment in the bathroom, dead serious. I remember it clearly like it was a week ago. Out of nowhere, I mean, I'm new at this stuff and I'm a young believer, so I don't even know what's what, okay? Out of nowhere, this exact phrase comes into my mind, just like this. I will perfect that which concerns you. A phrase out of nowhere that I've never heard in my life just comes... And I remember thinking, I will perfect that. Okay. I was kind of, what, what is that? <laughs> That's exactly how it happened. No idea it's in the Bible. Not a clue. I don't even know how long it took me to realize that was an exact Bible verse. Psalm 138.8, and it's precious to me now, the Lord will perfect that which concerns you. He even spoke it in the translation I was reading at the time. And he's just so smart. <laughs> so I remember reading that one day going, oh my goodness, that was the thing that I thought. And I, well, I guess that was God. See, when God speaks to you in a way that's like that or external or subjective, it's going to line up with, you know, a verse or the, the, the holistic understanding of the Bible or the, or the full meaning of the Bible. It's never going to contradict what the Bible teaches is what I'm trying to say. And I think that day, I think he said, I will perfect that which concerns you. I think he said, like, I'm going to do it. But I I can't remember. But it was like the exact verse. And I just remember ever since, whenever I worry, like, where's life going? He said it. You're going to do it. And it's in the Bible, so I believe it. He could speak like that. And, And when he does, it just... It just puts your heart at ease. It's like, okay, no matter what comes my way, I guess he's just going to. And you know what? That was 20 years ago. 20 years has gone by. You know what he's done? He's perfected that which concerns me. <laughs> he's done it. He's faithful. He's faithful to his word. I mean, I just literally just say, okay, I'm with you, Jesus. I'm going to keep marching. And along the way, he has directed me everywhere I've needed to go. I didn't always know it, but I look back. Now I have a history with him. Now I've got a few more hours logged. And I assure you, he truly has. He has done it. And he's going to keep doing it. And as weak and as sin-prone and sinful and 
awkward as I can be, he uses, he's going to use me and he's going to do it. And I, I'm telling you, if he can use me, he can use you. And if he's going to perfect that which concerns me, he's going to perfect that which concerns you. Just stay close to him. I want to just circle back. In a time where it may seem, and, and maybe it's real for some people, they're saying, ah, I'm giving up on Jesus. I, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to scale back. Don't do it. Keep being a part of the community God's called you to. Keep being faithful. Stay close to him devotionally. Because where else are we going to go, guys? <laughs> no one else talks like him. No one else has the power he has, the, the words he has, the spirit. No one's got that stuff. There's no other cult out there. There's no other religion out there. There's no other spiritual leader. There's no other guru who's got the stuff he has. So let's just, let's make a decision tonight like Peter. We're in, no matter what. No matter what comes, if people are leaving, or if you have to go to a cross, or if I have to lay my life down, even though Peter, we know, I mean, he, he was a little overzealous and thought he was a little stronger than he was. No matter what we're, you know, we, wherever we're at, we're in. And I would, I would ask, take some time tonight or this weekend and just talk to the Lord. I pray often, I pray this prayer, Jesus, become more real to me. Because I want you to be as real to me as you were to those guys. I want to be able to say, I, can't, I don't know where else to go. I mean, no one's ever spoke to me like you spoke to me. There's nobody else that's helped me and been faithful to accomplish their word like you. My life is hard. It's not easy doing ministry. It's not easy, you know, and, and, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm, I'm sticking with you because your words, your words are different. Your words are like eternity speaking. Amen. Amen. You've put up with me long enough. We'll, we'll land that plane right there. Okay. Let me just say a closing prayer and then we'll, Curtis, we're going to have you log off, man. That's your thing. All right. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Jesus, that you have the words of eternal life. Where else can we go? We don't want to go anywhere else. Strengthen us tonight, Lord. Lord, we're weak, we're weary. We're, we're as, the, uh, hymnal, as the, the hymnist said, we're prone to wonder. Lord, let your grace find us tonight. Let your loving kindness just touch our hearts, Lord. And I don't know what everybody's going through tonight, but Lord, I just I pray that you would just speak to hearts tonight. Speak to hearts throughout this weekend and, and just remind them that you're like the around the campfire. If you were sitting with them tonight, you would speak with such kindness and such power and such love. Help that to be real to us tonight and encourage every heart here in this place and, and through the live stream. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. For more messages like this one, please visit our online teaching library at gphop.org teachings. If you found this free material helpful in your walk with God, please prayerfully consider a generous donation. To give, please visit gphop.org donate. That's gphop.org donate. 
thank you and may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you today.